The Midday Report. I'm Mandy Wiener. Keep listening as we round up the key stories affecting your world with interviews with newsmakers, in-depth analysis and eyewitness news reporters on the ground. The Midday Report. All right, we know that the ANC have got their man. Let's bring in our EWN reporter, Alpha Ramoshwana. A very good afternoon to you. Tell us what happened. Good afternoon, Jane. Yes, well, we do know that last night the ANC Secretary General Sivil Mbalula intervened uh, into the caucus in Johannesburg, you know, to squabble or, or squash squabbles between the factions within the ANC and also uh, what we do know now is that the party has indeed agreed to fill down the mayoral position. And one thing, uh, the ANC uh, provincial chairperson, if he told Eyewitness News, is that replacement uh, of the former Al Jamaa mayor, who is Kapelo uh, uh, um, Ahmad. I mean, you would know that Ahmad resigned last week. Um, and Banyazan uh, Yusufi says he feels that it's only good to replace him with another Altamar candidate. So uh, it is now confirmed that he will be going against the action essays, Fungzingobeni, and of course the DA's Mpo Palata. But what's interesting here is that since the DA and the action essay will not be voting together today, it seems like they've already given away uh, this win and the numbers, of course, to the ANC EFF coalition. So it seems like the chances are high to today that uh, uh, we will walk out of council with an Altamar mayor to leave the city of Johannesburg. But we did also speak to uh, uh, the Houting uh, provincial chairperson of the ANC, Banyaz Alisouf. Let's get to hear what he has He has to say. We, we also received a, a message from the Patriotic Alliance that they've been approached by other political parties uh, to fill the candidate in the name of Kemi Bunene. Uh, and we all agreed as coalition partners that we are firm on the name of Kabelo uh, Guamanda and therefore uh, Mr. Kenny Kunene, even if they nominate him, he will decline the nomination. We, we want to move with speed out of this uh, situation. Uh, indeed, as you might have reported, but incorrectly so, uh, we're not defied or chased away or expelled. Uh, we consulted uh, the ANC caucus on the doorstep of a council meeting, so we didn't have sufficient time uh, to take note of uh, the issues that councillors were raising, which is a very important political issue. So Colleen Makubela might be getting away. She says uh, the agenda today is to elect the executive mayor. You're saying that it might actually happen. Tell us more about what's going to happen when the proceedings start. Yes, of course. The DA had requested for a 30-minute long caucus break, and they have just came back from the caucus break. And what we are seeing now in council is that the IEC is also preparing for the vote counting, and uh, Colleen Makubel is chairing this meeting today. So it does seem like, indeed, we are going to meet today with a mayor because they are in council at the moment, and the voting is about to commence. I can tell you that at the moment, the IEC is busy counting the number of councillors that are seated and registered within council so that they can know how many people voted and so that they can know uh, 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 which, uh, so that we can also count as to which party voted for who and how the numbers played out in the whole uh, uh, voting process. So it is indeed, uh, it does indeed seem like uh, today Joburg residents will have a new mayor. It is, it is going on in council at the moment. And the question, I guess, is for how long, Alpha? Let's leave it there. Thank you very much. Cape Talk. We all have a voice. Use yours. Call 021 446 0567.
So I was very charmed this morning when I heard on uh, the morning show when Mandy was talking to the City of Joburg Council Speaker, Colleen Makabela, about how the voting plays out and what happens if you get down to the last two. So let's listen to what she had to say about that. Um, It's a very interesting process of elimination. If we've got more than um, one candidate, um, if it's one candidate, that one is declared obviously a winner. If it's two, the one with a, a majority is a winner. If it's three, we first have to eliminate the lowest, uh, the, the one with the lowest votes, and then go back to voting again. And uh, of course, then the, the winner will take it. If it's four, it's a process of elimination. It could take us two, three rounds, you know. And uh, if indeed it's a tie, at some point, if we can't break the tie, we simply just roll the dice. Toss a coin. No, the, L- do you mean literally? You literally yes. toss a coin. Literally, you will toss a coin. Yeah, and it will be head a tail, and the tail or the head would be the one. So that, that, that's actually in the rules and, and legislated. If Are you serious? That, uh, if, if, if there's a deadlock, you you toss a coin to decide on the mayor. Yes, we'll have to do that. I don't know if in history it has actually come to that, but uh, the rules do say if we have a tie and we can't break the tie by repeated uh, voting, then we definitely have to toss a coin. I'm sure our listeners will tell us if it has happened before. <laughs> Speaker, good luck today. I hope we won't have to choose a mayor through tossing of a coin. Well, it's fine. We've got, we've got new money in South Africa. <laughs> I'm just wondering what you think about that. I mean, it really plays into what Susan Boysons has been calling the theatre of the absurd. She's written a, a wonderful summary of our coalition politics. And uh, good afternoon to you, Professor Susan Boyson, political analyst and author and director of research at the Makongubwe Institute. Uh, good to have you with us. I mean, uh, the fact that we've got to toss a coin to choose the mayor, an incredibly important position. If we were to get to that point, what do you think it says about the processes underway? Jane, good afternoon. Yes, it is a struggle to fathom reality from the absurd in this case, and often the two converge in coalition politics. As we've come to know it in municipalities, especially Gauteng's metros, and not to exclude Nelson Mandela Bay either. And yes, there are shifting alliances with kingmakers, like in this case today, the Patriotic Alliance, which has been siding with the DA, multi-party alliance recently, they're going to be pivotal, and they want to switch sides back to the DA alliance at this stage, that is a key factor, but the DA doesn't want to work with the PA, because the PA flip sides has the DA alliance has burnt its fingers with the Patriotic Alliance previously. And this is one of the gauntlets they've thrown down saying, no, they, they're not going into an alliance that depends on that. And we know the state of the votes, the Council of Representation in Johannesburg, and the Patriotic Alliance's votes will be needed in order to get a majority. And that is part of the intriguing strategies that I see unfolding in the city of Johannesburg here. We know that the DA and the so-called Moonshot Pact um, want to show that the ANC and the EFS make a bad, bad, very bad governing partnership according to their perceptions and, and their campaign material. And, and are and they doing this, uh, sorry, by putting their own candidate yes. forward here? 
and they, they are indeed all indications that yes, it has been that they will indeed again put Paul Palazzi in, in as the candidate. And the, the possibility is then that Paul will be opposed by Finzin Mkoveni of the Action USA. And that is actually really, that will be setting up that lines for to use against ANC. But perhaps that is part of the DA strategy, I come to wonder, mm. to, to force the DA EFF alliance to govern the city in the run-up to the 2024 government elections so that the DA in their campaign can, can point to this alliance. And given the problems that they are in Johannesburg, it is quite possible that they will not have good governance record. Because what's happening right now, I mean, it really gives us a sense of what will happen in the rest of the country with a view, obviously, to the next elections and the role of these micro parties, community organizations. Indeed, indeed. The micro parties are so pivotal in this and they are growing in numbers as this affection with the ANC and the other main parties grow. There is so much scope for the small parties to emerge increasingly. And it is very volatile coalitions that are built around them. Although we've seen in these cliffhanger coalitions in the metros, there have been typical alignments of these micro parties with either the ANC side or the DA side. But they, in many cases, they have shifted quite significantly, sometimes in small blocks and they can make a big difference in this game. And that is, of course, amid the fact that the ANC and the DA are continuously refathoming their own alliances. One thing that came to mind, came to my attention this morning, is the ANC would have had a local government summit for Gauteng next, early next week, but that has been postponed so that the party officials of the province, of the ANC in the province, can first brief the political executive committee of the ANC in the province about coalition strategy developments. And we see these strategic developments while mayors are being elected. And that Uh, really... Sorry, let me just ask you this. How much of us, the voter, is in their mind when they do that? Is is this behind the ANC's uh, choice of man today? I mean, do they realize that if they get involved with a, a specific party, the EFF, for example, that it might turn voters off? It seems, uh, uh, yes, it is there, that it is, in the first place, a distant awareness. Mm. Because these parties think in the first place, how can they secure power? How can they secure the ma- very important executive mayorship of this metro like Johannesburg? So that immediate attainment of power seems to be foremost in the mind of these parties, although, as I pointed out, perhaps there's a longer-term rationale in the DA operations, strategic operations today, but it is about gaining power in the present at all costs. We do not see the merits of the candidates being deliberated systematically or in any depth whatsoever. Mm. And all the while, Johannesburg and the other metros disintegrated quite a rapid pace. Indeed. There is so much decay and continuous increasing, accumulating decay in these cities. There is a serious, incredibly serious need for concerted government around a set of core programs. And which I'm sure the main parties can all agree on. 
that is only rounds and rounds of objections and which really makes one reach no other conclusion but that these parties think of their own power positions rather than the interests of the citizens. Mm. Fascinating article. You wrote City of Johannesburg as the wind tunnel for South African coalition politics. Thank you very much for expanding on that, Susan Boyson. The Midday Report. Well, it's been a, a day of, of much excitement on the political front. I'm sure the political repercussions of this one won't be you know, um, rolling out across the country. Or, or maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But it seems to be quite an interesting move that the spokesperson for the Jacob Zuma Foundation, Zwanele Manyi, has, uh, has joined the EFF. He said, I think what the country needs right now is indeed shock treatment. And I think that the organization is ready to provide that shock treatment is the EFF. We shall be bringing in Sidi Madia to talk a little bit more about us. Oh, we have her online. Sidi, uh, why has he done this? Good afternoon, Jane. Um, I must first tell you that people are referring to him as political tourist because <laughs> he was a long-standing ANC member until the 2019 elections and now the next set of elections roll in and he switches from ATM that he joined in 2019 to now joining the EFF and it's very strange when you speak to people around Mangi who are people who've been seen around him in the political arena they're very surprised by the move saying that they didn't expect this. Some of them are surprising we just heard about the announcement in the media today. I asked him why he did that this I chat with him in the morning and he keeps saying this is the best alternative to the NC. This is the best party that can actually do something. Others will tell you that Mzadele Mangi found himself in a difficult position where financially, politically, he was running out of mileage and needed to find a new home where he can garner something that keeps him going for a little bit longer in the political arena. Mm. As you say, political tourist at this rate, he's going to be with the DA next. But while he's with the EFF, I'm just wondering what sort of response the EFF is going to to have considering that they've been calling for justice and the Gupta family to be brought to trial and obviously there have been some sort of allegations or illusions uh, finger pointing at uh, his relationship with them through the Jacob Zuma mm. Foundation mm. If he ever joins the DA first of all let me say I'll eat my hat <laughs> that day I know he's a tourist but I'll eat my hat I think the EFF it's been quite surprising for me they've welcomed them saying that you know this is a person with a great track record a long standing track record in governance because he has been a government spokesperson he has served uh, different departments he has been in business as well for a really long time so that this is a skilled professional he'll be able to bring in some of those kind of individuals to the party they hope and saying that as far as the Gupta links are concerned because the difficulty for me with this with the EFF is first of all here's a man who stood on Every soapbox that supported, um, uh, sorry, here's a party rather, Jane, that supported calls for the Guptas to be dealt with. And here's a man at the center who was very much linked to the Guptas. And so they said to me, we believe in, innoc- um, in innocence until proven otherwise. And that for them, again, the big pull with Mangi is that he's got quality in that he is a well-established political player, well-established in governance as well, and that they're hoping you'll bring more like-minded people into the party, saying that they'll give it an opportunity, that they stand by what they did as far as the Guptas are concerned, but I also wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. And the impact on the ATM? That's a very interesting one. I haven't been able to find the ATM, but I am fascinated by what will happen with the ATM. Remember, when the ATM was established, there were a lot of rumors. I don't know if you recall this, but there were a lot of rumors that it was a side project 
of those linked to former President Jacob Zuma mm-hmm. and well now he's not he's no longer suspended, but former Secretary General of the ANC, Ace Mahashule. So it had been placed in that kind of proximity. And that's why I'm Zanin Mangi even existed in that space. It made sense to people. But you need to go back to the roots of ATM that are based on the churches in the Eastern Cape. And I think that there's been a, a separation of ideas. And that's what I'm trying to figure out at the moment is there seems to be an area where they could not find each other. And then it kind of explains how this evolved into Mangi parting ways with the party. I think that the party has found itself in the political space. Vuyo Zungula, I think, has done relatively well in dealing with particular issues. Think about the Palapala report. Mm. It's given them a lot of traction and media media coverage. So I think the party didn't necessarily need Zanele Mangi as much as people thought it would when he first joined it. All right. Uh, just moving into the coalition space and what we're seeing playing out today as cool. far as choosing the latest mayor is concerned. What do you make of what's happening at the moment and what you're seeing? You know, Jane, I, first of all, I need to talk about what's happening on social media. You see a lot of spats between the multi-party coalition partners. That's the DA, Action SA, who are not in a coalition in Germany because that fell apart when Mpopalazzi was elected out uh, in January. So what's interesting is that they've been trying to find one another and they keep failing. But what's also interesting on the other front is the ANC. The ANC coming out to back another minority uh, mayor, but this time around saying that they will equip him with three advisors. For me, because national... ANC got involved. This is the biggest admission of failure on the ANC's part, where mm. you are acknowledging that you're putting somebody who has no capacity to lead a metro as big as Johannesburg, a city that commands the kind of investors that it has in the past, that is one of the biggest on the continent. And so you are well aware of what you're doing and to try and cushion it, you say you're putting in advisors. But that says something about putting your political interests ahead of, of everyone else. Somebody in the ANC said to me, the biggest threat to the ANC would be having a dynamic and capable mayor because people will want to lean towards that person and their party in the election. So that tells you that no matter what we are told about stabilizing government, Mm. the political interests supersede everything else when it comes to political parties. Because if that was not the case, and if everything was left to the ANC to pick a mayor, the ANC would not go back to Al-Jamaa. We would not find ourselves having this conversation. And a shocking message to the voters, a shocking message to those who live in the area. I don't know if it's shocking, Jane. I think that voters must also pay attention mm. and take responsibility because we are also, and I, we are all voters, you and I as well, I imagine, but we are also responsible for what's happened in our municipalities. I always say, again, if the status quo is okay, fantastic, continue. If it isn't, get up and participate in your democracy. Sure. Elections are one way to do it. We can't afford to sit back and complain about the state of our metros, the lack of services, and do nothing about it. The power doesn't reside with the political parties. And I think more and more South Africans need to understand that and to engage in that on a day-to-day basis. I cannot stress that enough, that you need to participate. We do as, as citizens mm. in what's happening in this country. All right. I hope people have been listening and and have been called to rise up and uh, do their duty, their constitutional duty, their absolute right. Tzili Madia, always good to talk to you. On 702 and Cape Talk, this is the Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Brought to you by NetBank Commercial Banking. Specialists who enable your business growth aspirations. The Midday Report. 
Good day to Zoyonotu and all the listeners. Yeah, according to my opinion, the reason why Mzwane Lemanye joined EFF, he realized that in ANC, he will never get a position, a higher rank. But now in EFF, in EFF he has got the chances of getting a higher position. I think that's the reason why he joined EFF. Uh, good, good, good afternoon, Jay. Look, I think the, a, the ANC is currently in a very difficult situation, but they seem to want to be in power at all costs, you know? Why can't they feel their own credible candidate? And if the majority don't vote for that candidate, it's fine. They'll sit on the opposition bench. Now they seem to be taking everybody else who comes along for as long as they have their seats in the mayoral committee. And... I think they are slowly losing losing the plot to want to be in coalition with the EFF by all means. And it will cost them, I can tell you that, in the long run. On 702 and Cape Talk, this is the Midday Report. Brought to you by Nedbank Commercial Banking. Specialists to enable your business growth aspirations. Well, thank you very much for those voice notes. Yeah, certainly an interesting time in our politics, and we hope that whatever happens, however it plays out, that it is good for us, the voter and the people who desperately need the services. Let's talk about an important development in the war between Russia and Ukraine, a, a drone attack above the Kremlin. Putin was there the day after. I mean, you certainly couldn't get closer than that. Let's bring in Stephen Grudz, and he is from the African Governments and Diplomacy uh, Programme. Project, uh, sorry, I've got that all uh, mixed up here. The African Governance and Diplomacy Program and the Russia Africa Project. Uh, very good afternoon to you, Stephen. How dangerous a development is this? Well, it's thanks for having me on. It it's, is potentially a flashpoint. I mean, my understanding is that the Ukrainians have said it wasn't them, so this could be uh, a false flag or. or uh, uh, disinformation story. Uh, we don't know that. But if the fight is being taken to Russia, that, you know, changes the whole complexion of of the of the conflict. Um, and you know, we see increasing increasing use of drones in warfare, uh, where you don't necessarily have to have your troops on the ground. So uh, it is potentially a, a flashpoint and, and quite dangerous in the precarious balance that there is in Europe at the moment. I mean, the Kremlin spokesperson said that decisions on such attacks are not made in Kiev, but rather in Washington. Kiev only does what it is told to do. I mean, there was a fascinating Ukrainian delegation that came to South Africa, and they were just saying this this really is a war between Russia and Ukraine. And there seem to be many players who want to expand it into a proxy war and drawing the U.S. further in. Indeed. I mean, this has been a, a Russian approach for a long time to blame the West and to see conspiracies and to see Zelensky as a mere puppet of, of Biden uh, and make that argument uh, repeatedly. But I don't think it, it holds water. I think that, indeed, as you say, this is a real war between where Russia has invaded a sovereign country, uh, a weaker sovereign country on its borders and is is pursuing it. And, and yes, NATO is arming um, uh, Ukraine, and it makes it more complicated. But they wouldn't be doing that if there wasn't the threat and the invasion in the first place. So, um, But it doesn't make it easier. It, it makes Russia's argument that this is a proxy war by NATO or by the U.S. more believable as they 
support Ukraine more and more. Stephen, time gallops. Unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. Africa Governance and Diplomacy Program and the Russia Africa Project. He is the head of that. Stephen Goods, thank you. The Midday Report. So there's a play on at the moment. It's coming to an end very soon. It's called Canary and the King. The Royal Shakespeare Company named it one of the top 10 best plays produced by the institution in the last 60 years. In South Africa, the production has received seven Naledi Theatre Awards. Let's speak to the man behind it, Dr. John Carney. A very good afternoon to you. Hi, Jane. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? It's nice to talk to you. It's been a, it's been a while. <laughs> Great, indeed, indeed. When she told me, Jane, that was going to talk to her, I said, I know her. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long relationship. Tell me, this this incredible play, which I, I'm horrified to say I have not seen, but I plan to uh, sort that out this weekend. Did you achieve what you wanted to in it, this conversation between two men? Yes, indeed. I am so proud because at the end of each performance, the audience is waiting outside, apart from the annoying 900 selfies, just (laughs) to engage me in, this is exactly, we agree with you. Here, I'm not clear what you meant, but there's a conversation constantly happening. And I'm really proud of the fact that uh, having started this play at the Royal Shakespeare Company, went to London at the West End, well stopped by COVID-19, toured around South Africa. Now the State Theatre from tonight, tomorrow, and then Sunday afternoon are the final performances Gunen and the King in South Africa before I do my US and Canada tour. Mm, I mean, so exciting. And, and I'm just wondering, so I mean, this is a, a conversation, a relationship between two men, one black, uh, one white with two very different experiences. Has the response been different in South Africa, for example, uh, to what you saw in the UK? Oh, yes. In the UK, there was a critical analysis of the structure of the play, the use of Shakespeare, the brilliant directing, the brilliant, brilliant writing and acting. Mm. And of course, whenever you present a play in the UK, Oh, it's happening in South Africa. We don't have those problems here. Yeah. <laughs> when it's happening in South Africa, we own it unashamedly. We <laughs> even see ourselves in it. We even, I mean, many times, as even Michael Richard says in playing the role of, of Jack, he says, this guy says things that I'm horrified because I've said them before mm. without even knowing that I'm being, in a way, not politically correct. Yeah. And uh, it's been described as your way of examining the possibility of black and white people having a functional relationship. How close are we to getting there? We're very close. There are a couple of... South Africa is a success story. There are a couple of incidents and issues that we are faced with in comparison to the rest of the world, not even Africa. Yet we are also sort of... We highlight when there's a breakdown in those relationships. But we do not compliment and be proud of the millions of millions of South Africans that are working together to make this country better. That's what I love about speaking to you. You always make me feel all um, excited and and positive and, and optimistic. Thank you very much, John Carney, for your time and best of luck for the run of the play. The Midday Report. That's a wrap of the day's news. Don't forget you can catch the full Midday Report live on 702 and Cape Talk via our streams on YouTube and our website 702.co.za and capetalk.co.za. Keep checking in for updates from my colleagues at Eyewitness News. Till the next time, I'm Mandy Wiener. The Midday Report.